0: Hey everyone, you're listening to Tobin Tuesdays brought to you by the Manitoban Hero 101.5 UMFM. Today is October 30th, 2018 and I'm your host, Joe Gonzalez. On today's episode, we have three interviews. One is with Nigan Sinclair, a professor in the Native Studies Department here at the University of Manitoba. We also have one with Milena Piernat, chair of the Education Committee of the Manitoba Chapter of the Canadian Hemophilia Society and a graduate from the University of Manitoba. And finally, we have a post-game interview with the head coach of the Bisons football team, Brian Doby. And we'll finish off the show with the latest single from Winnipeg Band, Royal Canoe. With that being said, let's get to it. Back in 2017, CBC published an article where a publishing company, the popular book company Canada, based in Richmond Hill, Ontario, was accused of whitewashing Indigenous history in the social studies section of their book, the Complete Canadian Curriculum 3. Among some of the passages in the book were, quote, When the European settlers arrived, they needed land to live on. The First Nations peoples agreed to move to different areas to make room for the new settlements, end quote or, quote, the First Nations peoples moved to areas called reserves where they could live undisturbed by the hustle and bustle of the settlers, end quote. University of Manitoba's Extended Education Division hosted a lecture recently at Fourth Cafe to discuss social justice in education. The lecture was one of the program's Dean's Lecture Series. Dean of Extended Education Gary Hepburn said the lecture intended, quote, to bring current thinking as well as information about initiatives to the city of Winnipeg, end quote. One of the main issues raised addressed was that the speakers believed indigenous students and students new to Canada are being failed in the education system. They often cannot see themselves within the education system because of the educational material being presented. Nigan Sinclair, a professor in the native studies department here at the U of M, was one of the speakers at the lecture. He noted that, quote, the biggest challenge that we face within our community is that education has been the most brutal, violent, coercive, an assimilative tool for Indigenous peoples, end quote. But he also suggested the idea that education can be a primary tool for social change as well. Quote, education for social justice, to me, is doing what the education system should actually be doing, which is offering young people visions of who they are, end quote. Our news reporter, Shauna Matthews, quickly spoke with Professor Sinclair to talk about the barriers in place for Indigenous people in education, what can be done to foster more understanding for non-Indigenous students, and the initiatives at the university level that can be taken to also help foster understanding of the Indigenous experience.
1: I mean, there's lots of barriers that divide people. It all depends on, you know, a whole host of contexts and spaces and so on. I mean, we still have much larger work, you know, much bigger things that we still have yet to just to accomplish. like. Um, Just understanding fundamentally what it means to be Canadian, for example, right? So a lot of the things we spoke about here. Or you go to a social studies class, and it used to be Native people had four pages at the start, and then they disappeared. Now we have 10 pages, but we still have 450 pages that are still absent of Indigenous people. So, I mean, there's still lots of work to do to be able to encapsulate... Engage. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Uh, You know, talk about what it means to be a responsible citizen. To engage and to be critically (laughs) critically aware of who we are and what does it mean to live together meaningfully. Like, what does it still mean when we have.
0: You know, a huge land ish- issue in our country where we have
1: 99% of the land which is, you know, some of it stolen, taken, obtained, whatever we call it, and the indigenous peoples are left with small scraps of that. What are we going to do with that relationship? How are we going to deal with colonialism, like existing colonialism? Reconciliation is is only uh, a word if it carries no action and change. There's there's good events out there. Orange Shirt Day as comes to mind. Uh, um, you know, and, uh, events that schools do all the time. Classes, spaces, but it's only yet the uh, it's only we're only at a very early stage in terms of understanding that it doesn't involve just the day. It's the actual the entirety of the system. Um, and then maybe we can begin to have a conversation what it means to have a relationship or to be treaty people. It's nice to say we're treaty people, but then we go back to the same relationship that we had 10 minutes before that, which was you know, 99.9% of the land, 0.1% of the land, um, massive poverty, lion's share of poverty, with indigenous people, et cetera, et cetera. Over-incarceration, you know, indigenous men, women, et cetera, et cetera. Child welfare system. You know? Like, when those are all still in place, it doesn't matter how many treaty acknowledgements we do. It doesn't matter how many red shirts we do. When, uh, that, that, those are just the days that facilitate the conversations to talk about things like power, to talk about change, and how we actually implement those changes. Universities are open, opening them up to broader ways of understanding their relationship with the community. Mm-hmm. It's not just about taking classes. Universities have pivotal roles to play in communities with archiving, with supporting knowledge, recognizing knowledge. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a whole host of different ways that universities have in which they have a marking knowledge, demarking knowledge, and then disseminating it.
0: The topic of social media might be summed up in one word, polarizing. Some may praise it for the breadth of information and news that can be acquired from social media, as well as the speed at which it can be acquired, while others may see it as a negative outlet that can disseminate false information, as well as cause others to be, in short, addicted to checking their social media feeds. On October 26, Melena Piernat, chair of the Education Committee of the Manitoba Chapter of the Canadian Hemophilia Society, and a graduate from the University of Manitoba, gave a lecture titled, the benefits of online patient communities, according to a hemophilia mother, as part of the Rady Faculty of Health Sciences Bold Ideas Colloquium series. Her lecture was about the role that social media can play in supporting and educating the patients, caregivers, and family members of people with hemophilia and other bleeding disorders. Malena, as the title of the lecture would suggest, is a mother to a son who is a hemophiliac. She founded the Facebook group Hemophiliac Mother, which acts as a virtual support space for patients and families of people with hemophilia and other bleeding disorders from around the world. Our news reporter, David Zarangi, spoke with Milena to discuss her role in the field of hemophilia research and support, and her experience with running Hemophiliac Mother.
2: Yes, uh, I am uh, I am kind of uh, uh, almost full-time volunteer for the Canadian Hemophilia Society. I'm Vice wow. President of the Hemophilia Society of Manitoba, and also uh what, what what I do there are a few uh things that i'm passionate about one is uh, issue about women with breathing disorders uh, uh, that have a problem to access to care, right. and uh, there is a lot of women that are undiagnosed. So this is something that I am advocating for um, for the uh, for, for the women's clinic, right. and uh, so that they can access clinic and uh, have a. Uh, th- that's something that interests me a lot. And uh, the other thing is Facebook group Hemophilia Mother yeah. that I founded in. Um, Seven years ago, and uh, it started as a small group, uh, Canadian kind of group, around thirty people, right? Yeah. And then it grows uh, slowly to be kind of international group, right? Yeah, right. Uh, year, year after year, it started. Did you to
0: intentionally be, make it international, or was, I mean, this group is open, right?
2: This group is open, and right. people were able to find us right. uh, easily, and yeah. that I think that was uh, the the thing that uh, and they were I guess talking in between each other right. and fi- figuring out somehow right. the, uh, finding the group yeah. so so now group really grow in the seven years really grow a big big international yeah. group yeah. and uh, so yeah I checked and there's 6.6 6, Six thousand people, people. Yeah. members. yeah, yeah it's un- unbelievable how it, uh, it, it become really huge group uh, suddenly you right. know and right. uh, so that's uh, you know something that that I do and I, you know, I'm administrator of the group and founder and so, yeah, I, I kind of uh, look, you know, what's going on every day and then check what right. people do and say right. and stuff like that. Right. How I started, my son was, was in, in his twenties. He wasn't, uh, you know, a little child, he was mm-hmm. in the twenties and I think uh, when I went through all that process, mm-hmm. uh, I thought, uh, you know, that often you might feel alone in the process. This is rare. First of all, this is very rare disorder. Mm-hmm. And so you don't, you don't have people to talk about right. it. You don't have anybody who would understand, mm-hmm. basically, what hemophilia is about, right? And I think uh, that part uh, uh, I think for me I, I think for me being immigrant too being be isolated, not having family and not having a support system mm-hmm. if you have a child that, that have a kind of another need right a special need in a way. Right. Um, and I thought uh, you know maybe other people feel the same right. And uh, and it happened that a <laughs> few other people felt Absolutely. the same. Six <laughs> yeah. and a half thousand yeah. people do. Yeah, feel yeah, the same. I think they. Yeah. I mean, in general, I mean, just in general, is that I feel that online uh, uh, community is a very good way mm. for supporting uh, people with chronic conditions. It's right. something that is ongoing, chronic, and you know, and you have to deal with it every day. Right. And uh, this is, I think, uh, access of twenty-four-seven access to people uh, around the. World and right. uh, to to share something or to ask something, yeah, to So it, I think that's a very big pro for right. people with chronic conditions. Right, and there are some cons definitely, uh, and I've told that uh, in in my presentation. Uh, but uh, other than that, uh, I am I think uh, I think it works. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I mean, I've, I've, I've gone through your page and
2: I've seen the range of different questions. Very different, Things yeah. ranging it's from... It's very different, yeah. Yeah,
0: things ranging from... Completely from right? practical yeah, to, to right.
2: completely in-depth kind of. Right, it. yeah. <laughs> like,
0: what do I give my son for a cough medicine? Or, like, how do I distract my child uh-huh. when I'm trying to infuse him yeah, to things like... What kind of medications tra- yeah. do you take? What kind yes. of factors and things like that? Yeah,
2: yeah, about treatments, about... So everything, from right. treatments to co- completely right. practical questions like... Yeah. Uh, uh, for it, for instance, for little toddlers, if if they need you know some kind of um, um, you know what is called the the braces, what, what kind of what do you use? Right. Like how do you protect your child when he's mm. baby, yeah. right? When he's crawling and stuff like that. Right. To to what, what what type of medical alert do you use? Right. Or see, I use this one, right? So very practical, kind of right. different question. And the one that are more emotional and in depth, kind of, oh, I feel down, and you right. know, sometimes hemophilia, right, is not right. easy to deal with, or, or no, we, like the, the, the supporting one, hmm. right? You know, we are strong, we can do this, yeah. right? Like motivational right. one, number and one, right? It's, so it's a, it's a mix of everything. Hmm right all different questions right? yeah that's my job and I'm not going did everything right hmm. uh, of course because it's hard 24 7 to right. us uh, to look at uh, all questions whenever I, I uh, have time and I'll look at these questions uh, if I see something like that that I th- I think it's kind of it can be tricky it can be something that is maybe somebody's you know saying something that's maybe not right right, right. Uh, I I usually post okay. you know so I post um, I post uh, for instance where you can find pamphlets when I see somebody's asking for a pamphlet or something some kind of educational information so mm-hmm. any educational information you know if, if I see something like that mm-hmm. and and I have something to, to to pull like some kind of uh, a journal article or anything like right. that and then I pull that and for them to have the information so they can uh, read about it hmm. that's what I do right 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 um. I don't necessarily I don't necessarily interfere uh, that's what I learned I don't interfere right. with the with the conversation hmm. the uh, and I don't want to interfere with the conversation in the group okay. because I feel that that's why it's open and that's why it's uh, there for people to explore right. kind of between themselves. I don't want to be controlling kind right. of, right? right. Unless, of but course at the same something. time, I'm looking into whatever I can uh, to give the information, right? Yeah. Any information I think, think it's lacking, I will give, and I'm, I'm, I'm trying, and I'm figuring out how uh, to now. And, uh, I think I will find, figure out some, some, some kind of system where I will, you know, post regularly the information, right? right. Which I see it's most obvious that uh, it's very often asked questions, right? Mm. Right. Right. Yeah.
0: It was super spooky Saturday for the University of Manitoba Bisons this past Saturday as the football team, the volleyball teams, and the women's hockey team were all scheduled to play at home on a Halloween-themed day. Both the men's and women's volleyball teams won their home openers against the and Griffins, and the women's hockey team kept it going and won their game against the Mount Royal Cougars. Perhaps the biggest story of the day, however, involved the football team. Facing the UBC Thunderbirds, the Bisons needed to win by 10 or more to avoid meeting up with the powerhouse University of Calgary Dinos in the first round of the Hardy Cup playoffs. It looked as if their hopes would come to fruition, as they took a 31-13 lead going into halftime. Those hopes were soon dashed, as a Thunderous comeback by UBC had the Bisons walking off the field with a 38-34 loss and a first-round playoff date with the Dinos. Here's the post-game interview with head coach Brian Doby to give his thoughts on the game, as well as looking toward the upcoming matchup against the Dinos. You know,
3: kind of my fear, um, now that it's all over, my fear, I think, was that we would be thinking about that we have to win this game. We have to win it by 10, and we have to, and I wanted to, so the theme was, was about the first quarter like the theme was come out of the gates hard come out of the gates fast win your early reps be physical run fly around don't take a penalty you know be smart like all the things that ideally you want a team to play but just do that now just worry about the first quarter and and that's all we talked about really so um, you know then at halftime I thought well that's brilliant so we'll talk about it again, <laughs> you know. Let's come out of the gates the same way. It didn't quite turn out the same way. UBC made some good adjustments. And, uh, you know, and you guys just interviewed Jamie. I mean, listen, he's, he's a smart kid. He, he's very smart. And you can see he's got, I, I don't love his uh, mechanics and his throwing motion, I'll tell you that, so that's on camera. <laughs> he's going to hate me for that. I'm not in love with his mechanics, but he throws a really tight spiral. He throws a hard ball. And uh, he can get the job done, his way. But he's a smart kid, and uh, but he still got thrown to the, w- the wolves. Like that's just, you know, he was very eloquent and very. What's the word I'm looking for? Respectful, and in, in, you know, and and just laying it out for you guys in his interview. But here's a guy that, was playing flag football, you know, and here's a guy that, you know, graciously enough decided to enroll in university and. Join our football team when you know when I begged him to, um, never knowing, never expecting to use him, because don't forget our number two guy was Scott Borden, right, who was an all-star in the BC Junior League, and and so I had no you know Jamie is coming in as as he said with, with with an additional arm to help those two quarterbacks, and then health reasons took Borden out of the pitcher in September. And, and now an injury to, to Daz, And here's, here's Jamie Ibera. And I don't, other than Jamie, I don't think anybody, as much as you want to have faith in your guys, and that's very noble, and I'm just going to say it like it is, nobody expected that today. Nobody expected your, your, your quarterback that you literally tried to bring in to run scout team for you to put up 31 points against one of the top teams in the country. In a half you know so you know I, and the way Jamie throws he, he's got a strong enough arm but he he doesn't. the way his mechanics are he, it's not totally conducive to, to throw a, a perfect nice deep ball with with the, the with sort of optimal tra- trajectory there's a, a pass to the corner down our sidelines in the fourth quarter to Jesse Walker and he overthrew him but and the because of the kind of ball he throws, it's, it's, it's a little too d- direct. The trajectory isn't nice. So there's not a lot of room for error in his throws. But he threw that nice one the, over the UBC sidelines to Macho Bakru. Uh, that was a great throw. The picks killed us, for sure. Uh, that's any quarterback. The picks killed us because one was in literally red zone, it was at the back of their end zone. Um, but, you know, you're taking a shot. You know, the second one was a tough one. I thought, I thought that he, I'm sure he'd love to have that one back. You know, and we needed three points. And, And those are the, I don't know how to say this, but we needed three points. I believe we had an eight point lead at the time. We needed three points. Sure, seven, heck, I like 40 points, but they only come in maximums of eight, you know, six plus two or six plus one or three, and, we needed three, and that and that pick was a tough one. Uh, that was a that one really hurt. That's the one that hurt. The one out in the flats, I think, to their linebacker or whatever. You know, just just to not force that throw in there. And if and if if that would have happened, we might not have played overtime. You know, I'm not. You know, it, it's part of the game. I get it, but it's you know that goes to everybody. That goes to our our. our me, our coaches, every you know, the, the time and place in the game, you know, we, we need to be sure of some things and not get too excited. I heard him say in his interview, you know, just be assignment sound, do your job. Yeah, I don't know if, you know, heck, I take some blame on that, you know. I, I could have and should have said, look, we need to make a secure throw, or we need to run the ball, we're going to get three here, yeah. you know. I didn't say that on the headsets, so...
0: What's your message to the team going to next Saturday? We're taking on an undefeated team on the road.
3: It's it's this team is so frustrated in that locker room. Like they're so frustrated, you know. I on the field, I gave a rah-rah speech, and I and I meant it. I, I said, look, proud of you guys. Look what you look at the adversity, and we lose in overtime again. You know, we lose with under a minute to go again. You're so close. You look at the the Calgary game, on the road in Calgary. You know, what are they ranked two in the nation or whatever the heck they are? <sighs> yeah, they shocked us in the first half, with, with especially with what they did on defense to us. And then we adjusted. Second half, we beat them 15-7. You know? Let's go. Let's pull off the biggest upset in the nation. We're, we can do it because, yeah, we have been that close. And yeah, it sucks. And yeah, it's tough. And yeah, boohoo, And yeah, poor us. Well we're that close let's just take the final step and and that would be the the game of your life you know to go in there and upset that team right now you know it's possible like it i don't mean it's you know possible i mean it's possible it it's it's realistic believe it or not when when you're when your team is always that almost always every game we play
0: that close And that should do it for today's episode of Tobin Tuesdays, brought to you by the Manitoban Hero 101.5 UMFM. The interviews that you heard today were provided by Shauna Matthews, David Zarangi, and Jason Pajak. The intro and transition music were produced by Kenny Ingram. And the entire episode was produced and hosted by me, Joe Gonzalez. Just a reminder that all interviews and stories you heard today are available in this week's issue of the Manitoban available on newsstands tomorrow. As well as a big announcement, we are officially on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, so if you search for Tobin Tuesdays on those respective apps, you'll be able to find us and catch up on old episodes, as well as subscribe so you may never miss a future one. We're going to finish off the show with a new track titled Peep This from Winnipeg Band Royal Canoe. Their upcoming album, Waver, is set to release on January 25th, 2019. Matt Peters describes the song as being about going through a process of reevaluation in a relationship. Quote, As the years go by, you've both clearly grown as people, but how has that impacted your partnership? The more you look outward, though, the turbulent uncertainty overwhelms, and you can't imagine letting go. You find yourself awash in desperate energy as you realize how much you depend on each other to stay afloat. End quote. On behalf of the Manitoban, we thank you for listening today. We hope you'll enjoy this track, and we also hope that you'll join us next week. Peace.
4: Don't let me cry